Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded with my dear friend, Allie Katz. So Allie is just a powerhouse. I mean, big, huge heart, massive vision, and just such an inspiration. Um, She's one of the first human beings I'm interviewing in Nosara. We actually met in Nosara and just since I've known Allie, I've just seen the way that she carries herself, the way that she advises others, the ways that she's sort of overcome adversity over the last 10 years. And once I started learning more about her story and who she is and how she shows up, I couldn't wait to have her on the show. So just to give you some context, 10 years ago, Allie had multiple multi-million dollar businesses. She had written the best-selling book on legal planning for families and was seemingly on the high and up and up on her career until she experienced just about every breaking point that one can experience. She had to file bankruptcy. She was going through tons of challenges. And in this episode, we really talk about sort of like the chrysalis that happens when you're in challenge. And just to give you a fast forward, you know, this was 10 years ago. Allie is now her business, new law business model is on track to hit 10 million this year. She's out of debt. She's truly recreated her life. And in this conversation, we talk deeply about what it takes to sort of lean into the the challenges of life and how do you actually get so clear on a vision inside of these challenges that you allow what's supposed to die to die. You allow all of the parts of you that are not meant to really And when I say parts of you, I think this is something that I've certainly experienced in my life over the last three years. Like I had an idea of who I was supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go. And then life throws challenges at me that forces all of my ego to crumble and pass away. And then what is left is truth. And in this conversation, we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about how to sort of connect to that knowing in your heart, how to connect to what, who you really are underneath all of the facade, the the labels and the personalities and the projections that we that we that we sort of carry for the world to see. And it was such an inspiring conversation because not only is Allie just such a badass, but she lives this message. I mean, truly, like I learned so much from her. And specifically what I loved most about this conversation, we talked a lot about what it means to know. There's a lot of desire for us to have clarity. I think clarity is the ultimate grounding force of life. When on this podcast, we talk a lot about how do you stay grounded. To me, when we feel clear about where we're going to go, regardless of what we need to do next, regardless of what noise is present in the world, that to me is ultimate groundedness. Like when we can create that and live into that. And that's what Allie has mastered over the last 10 years through her own breaking apart, through her own chrysalis in her own evolution. And now she teaches that to others. So I'm really excited for all of you to get to know Allie better. I'm really excited for all of you to learn from this incredible woman on what it takes to truly live your live the vision of your life and to trust the vision that's in your heart, no matter what is happening outside of you. So enjoy the conversation. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps, all that means that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Tag us both on social media if anything we said on the show resonates with you. And thank you all for being here. I'm really excited about getting more in-person interviews in Nosara. I didn't bring my mics the last, it's just, I, I now have all my mics. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I'm really excited to be showcasing more and more of these incredible human beings that are here. So enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, here is the amazing Allie Katz. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded. 
everyone listening to my first episode in Nasara. Yay! And it is with one of my favorite human beings, Allie Katz. Hi, Allie. Hi. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's 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 a chapter. <laughs> yeah. Nasara's a thing. Nasara's the best. <laughs> Nasara's a thing. Uh, for everybody listening, just so you have context, Allie was my housemate for a little bit in a very tricky pickle of a situation we had with a moldy Airbnb. And um, we just developed a sweet friendship. And I'm just really grateful that I get to have this time with you. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time together, but we haven't like dropped in. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. So I'm glad too, because my time in Nosara is coming to an end. This is the very end. You're, you're catching me like I'm leaving in three days. Great. I'll just listen to this podcast episode again and again and again when I right. miss you. Perfect. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. I have so many questions for you because your story is, I mean, incredible. Just want to really actually even speak to the milestone if you're open to sharing it, like you're getting ready to hit 10 million in revenue for your business. Yeah. I was just reading a story about how you actually were in bankruptcy. Yeah. How long ago was that? 10 years ago, this past August. So it's about 10 and a half years ago. 10 and a half years ago, your life was crumbling. Yes. In yes. every way. Yeah, it had crumbled. And it was a two-year process of crumbling, right? So the bankruptcy itself was the end of the crumbling process. It was like the final let go. It was like the ego death of, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to have a fresh start on the other side. But I needed to fully let go of everything that I had created up until that moment in order to sign on the dotted line and say, I am bankrupt and I am rebuilding from here. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really interesting. So in that two-year process, why do you think it took so long to get to that final ego death? Yeah. And really, actually, now that I think about it, it was a three-year process because it started really in the fall of 2009. I was at the height of my success. Best-selling book on the market about legal planning for families, appearing on TV as a family financial and legal expert regularly, $2 million businesses at that point under my belt, my own law practice, which I had sold, an online training company. So I had gotten as far as I could, you know, house by the beach in Hermosa, my kids in private school. There wasn't any farther that I could see that I could go. Maybe my own TV show. That was part of what, you know, I was starting to do was talk to CNBC about having my own show. So I was at the top. And yet internally, there was definitely, it was all off. Mm. It all felt terrible. I knew that something was wrong. I was in inner conflict constantly. But it didn't make sense because I had, I was achieving all of the goals. And this had happened to me again and again and again. I never got to that sense of I made it, even though I was making it repeatedly on that external plane of validation that I should have been there and I wasn't there. And I was just in this really deep existential angst, existential crisis. And it was, in September of 09 that I was called, you know, you'll hear people say that they're called to plant medicine. And that is when I was first called to plant medicine. And it really was a calling Mm. because I was very judgmental at that point. Oh, all these people doing ayahuasca. And there was hardly any people (laughs) back then doing ayahuasca, but, you know, comparative to now is like, everybody does it. But back then it was, you know, not that many people. And I was, oh, they're just doing it to get high. Mm-hmm. And yet it was very clear, no, you're going to do it. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll go. And in that first ceremony in September of 09, I saw a vision of a world that works for everyone. And I saw it and felt it so clearly that I couldn't not see it. And I couldn't not feel it. And then I came back into my life. And back then there was no integration support. People didn't know what integration was. That word didn't even exist in my vocabulary as a thing. So I came back into my life alone, having seen this vision, having had this experience. And then I got to, for the next three months, experience every single way I personally was contributing to the exact opposite of what I saw. Damn. That's like the biggest 
you feel this vision in your heart and then you get shown direct contradictory truth of what you like. I mean, I'm just like feeling how jarring that is because I, I think I had the same experience after my first plant medicine journey mm. where I came off the journey and I had this like very stark realization that my life was nothing like what I had experienced. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. From that stage though, so did that journey then lead to the crumbling? Yeah. So that like that really kicked started the the three year. It's yeah. almost like you, what's really beautiful about that also though, just in hindsight, 60,000 feet up, I know it sucks when you're in it, but like 60,000 feet up, you had this vision mm -hmm. and you felt it. Yeah. And then the universe is like, all right, what has to die for you to become the actual person yeah. that can realize it and bring it into existence? And although that's painful, like in hindsight now, like that's how it works. That's actually how it works in every area of your life. You don't need to do plant medicine actually for it. You can just get really clear about who and how you want to be in the world and how you want to feel. And if you get that clarity, I promise you that life will bring you everything that is not that. Mm. So that is actually how life determines. So you, I often say life knows. Life knows. What does this mean that life knows? Life is always guiding you to your deepest heart's desires. And the more clear you get on what you want, which in and of itself is a very difficult process. <laughs> we are so conditioned to not know what we want. I don't even know what I want. I have no idea what I want. We spend a lot of our time in confusion and indecision and uncertainty. And I've actually created a whole journey to financial liberation, which is a spiral path. It's an antidote to financial freedom and this idea that one day you have enough money that you can be free. And in this journey to financial liberation, you're either spiraling up or you're spiraling down. And it's not about making more money or less money. It's about are you in clarity where you understand what's happening or are you in confusion, uncertainty, and lost, in which case you're, you're downward spiraling? And the confusion, the uncertainty really doesn't have to be there. You can have absolute clarity of where you are in the journey. I did not because there was no integration support. And I didn't see that what was happening for me is I was getting a clear vision of what I wanted to create, a world that works for everyone. And then I would get to see all the ways that I was contributing to a world that works only for me. Because mm. that's what we're trained. Create an I reality, I economy. It's all for you. You're the business owner. Do it for you. Do it for yourself so that you can have work less, make more money. But I began to be like, wait a minute, why would my team work more? <laughs> want to be on that train? Yeah. That is crazy. And I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. So all of those seeings were the tests because that's what life does. Life tests us to see how committed are you to this really and brings up everything that's not in alignment so that you can look at it meet it and either continue to operate from the conditioned survival-based scarcity paradigm programming that we've inherited or see it, face it, heal it, feel it before you heal it, feel it, heal it, and then create a new future reality. That took three years. The see, Really what took three years, honestly, it took three years for me to see the full extent yeah. to which I was out of alignment. And I love the word see because it is like awareness is the most powerful medicine. Yes. Right. Like, and it takes almost like you really, there takes different levels of surrender to see yeah. at different depths. And yeah. it, that's like the, that's the hard part because you might even think you've woken up. You might think you've gotten to the answer but you're actually just scratching the surface of what you don't know. <laughs> right. And it's okay. Well, let me ask you this. Like sometimes I found like, it's almost like life takes longer to change than you do. Mm. Like it's like your awareness shifts happen in a moment. Mm. It's like you have these breakthroughs, these ahas, these seeings. Mm. 
And then life is like, okay, like it's going to like take time. Like, how do you balance the patience of like trusting that while also like staying committed to the path Mm -hmm. and not losing sight of? So I think it's really easy for me, at least like sometimes like I get like, I see the thing, I move through the thing. And then like, there's a weight, there's a patience game of like allowing the universe or the world to like align itself. And so I'm wondering if you have any experience or I know you have experience, but like any perspectives around that in your own journey. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, right when I was at the tail end of this process of seeing, I was certain I had ruined my life. And well, some part of me was certain that I had ruined my life. And I needed, and I kept getting this message to remember, 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 what am I remembering? What am I remembering? And what I was remembering is it's all happening. And I actually named my company. It's all happening. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking great. Because I needed the constant reminder whenever I would forget that it's all happening and I would start to spiral into that downward spiral of confusion, uncertainty, despair, you know, all of those lower frequencies. I needed the reminder, right? It's all happening. Stay the course. Stay focused on who you are, why you're here, and what is yours to do. It's all coming into alignment. You just need to continue to operate from the reality of knowing that it is all, in fact, happening, and you are already there. Mm. Some part of me, my future self, is already there, And I just get to, on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, keep meeting life's tests to ask myself the question, if I knew that was true, if I really knew it was true, and I was in my full creator power, which I didn't even fully understand at that point, but I I could taste, I could feel, I'd heard enough about it that I was like, oh, this thing exists. I don't really know how to use my power yet, but I think I believe in it. It's like a second to just define creator power and the yeah. way that you're using it because I think mm-hmm. it's really important. Yeah. So I hold a very left brain, right brain perspective on this. I grew up business-wise, 2007, 2008, all of that in, in the time of The Secret you know, manifestation and some of these tools that are very right brain oriented and my left brain self just couldn't believe and and wouldn't believe without some left brain logic behind it. And so what the way that I really think of it is that we are born specifically to create reality. In fact, we are the creations of reality itself. And the only way that reality exists is through us. Most of us don't know how to use our powers. I had no idea how to use my powers. And in fact, I didn't even realize I had powers. And so we're just going around creating reality, but we don't know that we're doing it. And we're very disempowered because there is a they out there that wants us to just create their reality. We don't know who this they is. My sense of it is that it is the financial services industry. It is the media. It is the creators. But we can be creators too once we learn how to use our powers. And our powers are our hands and our feet and our minds and our hearts and our bodies. And for me, I became very disconnected from those things. The only thing that I knew how to use was my brain. And I didn't even know how to use it that well. I knew how to use it well enough to go to law school. I knew how to use it well enough to graduate first in my class. But what motivated me to do that was the inner critic that harassed me to believe I was stupider than everybody else. So I had to study more than anybody else which is not a good use of creator power. It's like you're, it's like using like the worst tool you possibly can because it's the only one I knew how. Yeah. It's the only one I had. It's the only thing you were taught, really. Yeah. It's really the only thing that's modeled in society, I would say, on a mass scale. Yes, let me use... It. It's like negative reinforcement, yeah. punishment. Our parents weren't given these tools. Right. Our parents were very disempowered. Our ancestors 
on a really a wholesale basis, even if our ancestors were the rulers, our ancestors had to use tools of scarcity and survival, whether yeah. that was power over or power under, whether that was killing or hiding, whether that was taking from or being taken from and shrinking as a result. We all have the same stories of survival and scarcity. And we need to thank our ancestors for what they went through to get us here because we're alive because of them, right. because of the things that they did to get us here. And we cannot continue to operate in the way that they did because that way is leading not only to a world that doesn't work for everyone, but a world that will come to an end. And if we, humanity, wants to be able to continue to live on this planet, because there's no question the planet lives on without us, she, Mother Earth, nature will just take over everything, doesn't actually need us, is better off with us. I feel clear about that, is better off with us if we know how to live in harmony with her. Yeah. But we'll live without us. But if we want to continue to live here, then we have to heal what we inherited. This is the true meaning of inheritance. We have to heal what we've inherited from our ancestors, the survival-based scarcity strategies that got us here, acknowledge them, thank them, and through our own bodies, through our power, choose to be in a different way because that's how we make change. Gandhi taught it to us, be the change we want to see in the world. That is our power through our hands, our feet, our minds, our hearts. We get to notice, when am I acting out of survival, scarcity, greed, that taking energy, thinking I don't have my needs met, operating from that place, and actually in that moment, consciously and intentionally choose to do something different, even and especially where it seems completely insane because we know 10 years down the road or maybe seven generations down the road, that is going to lead to more harmony on the planet. It's the only way we actually get there because ultimately when I look out into the future, 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 all that can survive on the planet is that which comes into harmony. Ali. What does knowing feel like in your body? So I'll start with the word knowing. Uh, a friend of mine, Jamie Thompson, I see her write it often with a G. G, knowing. Gnosis. I've heard that. I like actually really like gnosis. Yeah. Like state of gnosis. Yes. I like that. That's, that's, that's how it, yeah. And all I can say about it is that the way that it feels in my body is clear. It feels clear. And since the podcast is called Stay Grounded, it feels grounded. It feels like something I can trust and believe in. And I spent my entire life up until really a few years ago, and I'll, I'll be 50 this year. So up, you know, through my 40s, through most of my 40s, asking the question, what is real and true? What can I actually trust? Because I couldn't figure it out. Like nothing seemed trustworthy. And what I ultimately discovered is that I needed to come to learn how to feel in my body the answer to the question you're asking. How can I learn to trust what I feel? And what did that journey look like for you? Was it a lot of just kind of trusting your, kind of checking with yourself trusting your feelings and then making a decision and then using that data point to then like recalibrate or like what was the the process of because like I feel you now and I feel the clarity with which you're like staying it's not like you're going to gnosis you are there yeah like, I feel it and yeah it's like and I can only sense that that's been something you've you've created within yourself that's not something that you're born with <laughs> It's not because uh, we have so much conditioning. You, you have to actually go through it. So like, what did that process look like for those that actually may not stay really rooted in that space? And therefore, there's just a lot of noise. Yeah, I am a one three in human design. And 
first of all, just knowing my human design was and is very helpful because it allowed me to know that as a one three profile, the way I learn is by experiencing, meaning I can't just have you tell me and then I believe you. I have to experience it for myself and then experience the natural consequence of whatever I experience to know what's true and what's not true. And I've now had enough of those experiences, much of them quite uncomfortable and embarrassing, maybe even to the point of humiliation. Many of them, fortunately, along the way, I learned you have, for me, and I think for most of us, you have to feel it to heal it. And what that has done is it's given me the capacity and the willingness to feel which by the way, I didn't even know how to do for most of my life up until I was probably around 32. I lived completely cut off from my body. I was a head on a stick. I didn't know what my body felt like. I was just a mind operating in the world based on conditioning till I started to wake up in my mind. And that was my first awakening was the mind awakening. Oh, wow. This is a really powerful tool if I know how to use it. The second awakening was the awakening into my body to begin to learn how to feel and to begin to learn how to trust what my body was feeling. And then that was a really long journey of having to feel a lot of really painful things Like a lot of really painful things. And I think that this is where, and especially given the work that you're doing with cancer, I mean, you, you see it that the people who don't process the feelings and get to this state that I think we're talking about here, where there's a clear clarity. Yeah. Just like it's clear end up creating cancer. We all have cancer in our bodies. It's just a question of does it get, I think, the way that I think of it, my dad died at 58 from cancer and I think he died from unprocessed emotions that he just was never able to get met in the pain. And so he just contort, like crunched it all into his body, probably lots of sleepless nights, thinking about things and like knowing he couldn't trust life. It was just really himself. He couldn't trust. It's almost like that state that that we're speaking to. It's like that clarity can only happen when we when we give ourselves the permission and practice the courage and truly step into the willingness to be with these uncomfortable feelings. And and sometimes it's really scary because you're making decisions that can have implications. Like, right, like you're making decisions on relationships or on businesses or friendships or, you know, whatever it could have life altering implications. Is there any way to shield yourself from those life altering implications or is that a part of stepping into greater personal power? I think you want life altering implications and Mm. what you want is to learn to develop the self-trust to meet whatever comes to know that whatever comes, you will be able to meet it. And for example, there was a a phase of my life when I hurt people in my life a lot. I didn't mean to, if I'd like kept myself from doing or saying or the things or being in the ways that caused that hurt, I would have stayed stuck. I would have stayed small. I would have held back my my feelings, held back my voice. I would have perhaps engaged in, you know, free trauma-based behaviors of freeze or fawn. And in my messy process of learning to stop freezing, stop running from relational dynamics that were hard to be in or stop fawning and just making it better for everyone. My actions, my communications caused hurt for the people that I was in relationship with because I was communicating hard things and I wasn't very good at it as an example. And the thing that I got to learn in that 
was how to be aware of my impact on others, Mm. how to feel their pain in how I shared something without defending against it, how to actually listen to what somebody was saying to me without making it about them and actually take it in and hear, oh, wow, I just hurt you in what I said. And how did you, I mean, that's, there's a, an enormous level of, I would say, bravery to allow that. Was there anything that you did just to get better at that? Yes. So when I, our common friend, Josh, we've known each other a long time. And, and for his 40th birthday, he said, Allie, all I want for my 40th birthday from you is to attend this nine month training to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn a, a tool called circling <laughs> in the authentic relating movement. And and he took that stand for me because he wanted to be able to be in relationship with me where he could share something with me and I would be able to actually listen and hear him instead of either trying to coach him or trying to solve his problem mm. or if he was sharing something about me, defend Right. These are the tools that we use that actually keep us from having connection with people. And it stops. It's almost like a defense mechanism from your ego that stops you from getting into gnosis. It's like this insidious protection mechanism. Not insidious. I don't want to use that because it's serving you. It's keeping you safe in some way. But that's the thing I feel like I, I'm learning more and more. It's like these, even these defense mechanisms that I've created. To protect you. To protect me. To keep you safe. To keep me in the state of mind instead of the state of knowing, the state of heart, the state of connectedness. Yeah. Anyways, continue. That in and of itself, the connection between my heart and mind was also a huge part of my journey. At one point, I came to realize my heart and mind were completely disconnected. Yeah. In fact, I even went to a network chiropractor who confirmed that physically there was a disconnection. It wasn't just a emotional disconnection, my heart and mind were at war, actually. They did not believe each other. In fact, they had different personas in the world. There was a, about a 10-year period over this time frame when I had the ego death and let go of everything and then came back out into the world where I lived with two front-facing known personalities, Alexis Neely, the lawyer, my masculine-driven, focused self, and Ali Shanti, the feminine priestess self. And I lived both of those personas out in the world. Today, lots of people have their business name and their artist name. Back then, that was not the case. (laughs) And it was very weird and nobody understood it. And people were confused and I was confused. But I recognized eventually that they represented my mind and heart and they were at war. And both parts wanted to be forward facing. Both parts wanted to be seen in the world. So I couldn't just like transition to become Ali Shanti and push away Alexis Neely. Alexis Neely wanted to be seen and heard too. And they didn't trust each other. Ali Shanti was sure that Alexis Neely was a horrible human being who was creating mass havoc with her control systems and structures. And Alexis Neely was certain that Ali Shanti was just screwing everything up with her goddess flowy (laughs) reality of the feminine. And That was really the representation of my mind-heart disconnect. And I had to do a lot of work on that network chiropractic, for example, on the physical plane, but also the work of learning to feel. Again, we're coming back to this, like learning to feel in my body. What does it feel like for me to be in my heart? How can my mind as a tool, get in service to my heart and trust my heart because my heart is good. How can I even come to trust that my heart is good when I have a story running through my mind, which many people do, which is, I think there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I think I'm a bad person. And I think there was something wrong with me. And I think I was a bad person, but not because I was a bad person, but because my conditioning was creating bad behaviors that I believed I needed to exhibit or utilize in order to get my needs met because that's what I had been taught. And and so to disconnect and disentangle all of that 
ultimately when I was, you know, in the three year ego death process and ultimately that led to the bankruptcy and then coming out the other side of that, what I discovered is that I had a disease. Most of us have it. It's called money dysmorphia. And it was the distorted view of financial reality that caused me to make poor decisions around non-renewable resources of time, energy, and attention and relationships. But time, energy, and attention are where our relationships are created. And so I was living in this distortion field. And from that place, I was creating harm. And I think it's part of what is really, truly harming our planet right now. Mm. And it's really deep beneath the surface because it's part of what makes our economy work. That's right. It's so embedded into the GDP. In fact, I was talking to a friend about this recently about how like, if you look at even like our GDP and like the metrics, it's like everything is designed to grow Mm -hmm. when not everything is designed and supposed to grow forever. Yeah. It's like there's no GDP for inner peace. There's no GDP right. for any level of sustainability. There's no GDP for anything other than just growth. Yeah. The metrics that bring us back into harmony aren't the ones that are celebrated right. in society. So it's difficult to go against the grain yeah. until you take a stand. Yeah. And it's a scary process. It's really, it's like how... Once you start to do it, I think that you then begin to get reinforcements where eventually, it wasn't even eventually, it's it's pretty much right away. It's like, oh, the more vulnerable I allow myself to be, the more I allow myself to ask for help. I think that's like the first training we should all get, like how to ask for help. The more vulnerable I allow myself to be, the more I ask for help, the more I actually see life showing up for me, supporting me, reminding me that all my needs are met. I actually always have what I need. I always have and I always will. And ultimately, I, I through this whole process, the three years of the deconstruction and then really the 10 years since then of the rebuilding with some pretty big ups and downs along the way of that 10 years, what I have ultimately come to now is that we are all on this journey that I call the journey to financial liberation, that when we understand it, we can utilize to map ourselves so that we can soothe our left brain logical selves, our minds that want clear steps and linear process and the ability to measure ourselves on some metric that allows us to celebrate and be in our gnosis and not be confused. So we can map ourselves on this journey to financial liberation without having any idea that we ever get there, that there's ever a stopping point. In fact, it's just a spiral path. We're either spiraling up because we have clarity we know where we are. We know where we're going. We know where we are on the path. We know if we kind of, you know, took a little offshoot and went to go see the view, but then we're going to come back on the path. We know where we are. Or are we spiraling down because we're in confusion and we're lost and we're uncertain? Did you ever feel like you were afraid of having clarity? Tell me more about what that would be like to be afraid of having just afraid clarity. of your power. Oh my gosh, I was always. (laughs) Well, it's almost like if you know, then you can't unknow. And I'd venture to even say there's a lot of people in the world who would, who, who deny themselves the knowing. Mm -hmm. Is that Spider-Man quote with great power comes great responsibility kind of thing? Like it's like a, so a burden, it's a burden, the burden of responsibility. Well, the word burden even kind of has a weird, it's like in our language, it's kind of created this idea of there's a natural like everything all our languaging is like pushed against this state of mm. being mm. and i'm wondering just in your own journey did that was that ever a thing for you and how did that show up and how did you navigate it to get to the other side yes i was a victim it knowingly <laughs> and unknowingly for a long time because i didn't want the responsibility of my power I then created realities where I wasn't 
responsible for what I was experiencing in my life. Life was happening to me. Therefore, I was not to blame. It wasn't my fault. And it was their fault. It was because of them. It was because of whatever circumstance I could point to that I needed to be saved from. Because that way, I didn't actually have to acknowledge, oh my God, I've created all of this. And take on what that actually meant. That was a huge part of probably many years of cycling through again and again and realizing I was creating all of it. Yeah. And I, when I would go into journey space with ayahuasca, it's, it's actually part of why I stopped doing ayahuasca because I kept going into journey space and having that reflected back to me in the journey space, which was really painful and like physically hurt in my body. I have created all of the suffering in the world. Now that's a very egoic statement because I can't create all of the suffering in the world, except that I can because the world is my world. The mm. world is the world I create. And so therefore, all of the suffering that I saw or experienced was my own creation. And ultimately, I got to take responsibility for all of it in a way that I could manage because while I am ultimately the creator, I'm also a limited human. Yeah. I'm just in this body and this body will one day end. And I am not immortal in this body. My soul is immortal and will go on. But in this body, I need sleep. I need food. I just, you know, I can't go 24-7. I'm a limited being. And, and just like accepting that has been challenging. And I think that's part of also why I've developed tools, right? Like we are actually given so many tools, like our calendars, <laughs> you know, like very practical tools for managing the limitations of this reality to be able to be in our, take as much responsibility as we can for the now and the future, because it's all happening right now, actually, as we said, it's all happening. And the serenity prayer got me through a lot, you know, the, the courage to accept the things I cannot change and, or the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The, I can't remember the whole prayer. Do you remember? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We have to I remember the yeah. serenity prayer. No, it, but it's, it, because it's really, you know, really like got me through so many times when I was in that despair of wanting things to be so different. I'm actually going to look it up. Yeah, let's look it up. Let's Serenity look it up. Serenity prayer. Of, of wanting things to be so different and feeling the burden of how, what a bad job it felt like I was doing. So serenity prayer. Yeah. Accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, and it starts with God. So God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I, and I bring that specifically to God because I think the very first stage of my awakening process was to come into relationship with this thing that I now know as God, mm. which I was very resistant to do. I was raised to believe that God was for stupid people, that I did not need that, that I could just rely on myself. I did not need the crutch of God. And yet started to become very clear that something bigger than me was operating. And very early on in my late 20s, after my daughter had been born, after I'd started work at the big law firm, and I'm feeling extremely burdened by life, by the responsibility that I had taken on as the breadwinner in my family. I'm 28 years old and like supporting a family. <laughs> I'm like, what? And something which I now hold as God 
was driving me to find a church. I grew up Jewish. Why would I be looking for a church? And I recognize now that it was this infinite intelligence that's not a man in the sky and not even a woman in the sky, or it is an infinite intelligence that is greater than me, of which I am part of, and which is me in this body, in this form, and is you in that body, in that form. It is the co-creation that is all of us. And so when I am praying and saying the serenity prayer, I am saying it to that force, to that infinite intelligence to grant me the serenity. And that has probably changed my life more than anything that has come after it. Was there a turning point where you actually allowed yourself to call this feeling God? So it was around those early days and I, I was very lonely. I was probably in a lot of despair and loneliness, like beyond, I don't know. I think a lot of people are very lonely. I was, you know, of course, because it was my experience, I think I was like the loneliest person on the planet. That's what it felt like. I was so lonely and so heartbroken that this is what life was. And especially because I had achieved everything at that point, first of my class graduation, baby, husband, married, all the things. And I'm looking for this church. I didn't, which didn't make sense to me. And then my husband brings home a phone list from my daughter's preschool. And this woman's name literally jumped out at me and grew in size. Strangest thing. And I said to him, who, who's that? And he said, oh, just some bitch. Like, <laughs> what? And he had met her and he had an immediate negative reaction to her. And I knew this was going to be somebody important in my life. And she called me two weeks later out of the blue. I'm sitting in my law firm office. And that was really the first experience that I ever had of synchronicity or like any of this, like really synchronicity to me now shows me I'm on the path. Yeah, I'm on the right track. And so I met her. And I was so drawn to her, but she kept talking about God and she kept saying the word God like repeatedly. And every time my stomach would like twist into a knot and I wanted to throw up, but I was really compelled. Mm. I was really compelled. And she ultimately led me to Agape International Spiritual Center, which it turns out was the church I had been looking for. And the minute I walked in and I heard the singing and I saw the paintings I heard this very clear message that said, you are home. You are home. And then when I heard Reverend Michael speak the, like what God is, this infinite intelligence that governs the universe, my entire nervous system, I didn't even know I had a nervous system back then, my entire nervous system relaxed maybe for the first time in my life. Wow. That's so powerful. And I, and I keep coming and I just noticed like Gnosis has, there's like a God, like the, just the whole thing feels like God. And it's so beautiful to hear how you can have so many conditions. You can have so many like negative, like feelings about God, but then all it takes is one opening yeah. to like make it all untrue. It's yeah. like it all, it, it does not take a lot. It yeah. literally takes one felt experience to like really get to that space. And the work is in continuing that and keeping it, keeping it nourished and alive. And I'm so, pr I just have to say, I'm so proud of you. Like, I love you so much. Like, I'm like, so like, you're such a, a deep, beautiful human being with like such a, a depth of that clarity, but I, I know how hard you work to get there. <laughs> and I know how much effort and time and how much, how much death you've had to experience yeah. to like really feel this level of life. And I just, I'm big fan, big Thank fan you. over here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, and I've known all along, like I couldn't ever have done any of it just for me. Yeah. I think that's the case for a lot of us, you know, through the entire process of becoming someone that I'm really proud to be, I have held to the belief that says I am doing this for us 
the us that has to travel this same journey. I honestly think it's like a bit different for people your age. It seems to me it's an easier path. Like somehow you all were born into needing to work less hard at it. Like it just comes more naturally to you to be kinder to yourselves, to like take care of yourselves. And I don't know if it was like your parents or I don't know what it was, but there are a lot of, you know, I'm I'm Gen X and I, as I, you know, just, we had a lot of victim, a lot of victim conditioning and patterning. And so as I was like waking up through that, I knew that I was like, okay, if 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 I can do it, others will be able to. And I, yeah. I got to keep going for us because otherwise, you know, you've heard the saying like, we are the ones we've been waiting for, but, but if it's not me, then there's no we. <laughs> that's a good point right like like the we has to be me too and if i don't go who goes yeah so i'm gonna go so that others go anyway that's what's fueled me to to keep going through it rather than to just like devolve into you know tv watching comfort building a lifestyle business that's like just paying the bills so I can maybe live in a nursing home one day. That's what I think people are working towards, but I don't think they are doing that intentionally. I don't think they are either. I don't think they, I don't think every, every soul is here to wake up and I don't think um, they can't. If everybody woke up, then you wouldn't have the contrast. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, we, we, we could probably do a whole episode on, <laughs> on, on how important it is to learn through contrast. Like, that's how we learn Yeah, is, is, you know, so many of us through con- contrast. But I do think there does come a time when every soul that's on the planet, I think, has to be living an awakened reality. Well, and I think there's different levels of awakening. Yeah. Right. Like uh, one of my favorite movies is a little kid's movie called Soul. Yeah. And in the movie, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I've already ruined this. So I'm not even going to like <laughs> apologize anymore. But you, you love this movie. But yeah. I love this movie because yeah, it's like there's so many examples of like, like you can awaken just by like really biting into a pizza. Mm-hmm. Like if that was your way of living mm-hmm. or you didn't awaken into greater and greater levels of impact or service, but yeah. you were so present with the pizza you were eating. Yeah. That's a level of, of presence that is godlike. It's a pre- you yeah. know, there's different levels of of this game. And I, I've, for me, I've gotten to a space where like I, my practice is just learning to love people where they're at. And- well, you know, hear, hearing you say that, I think of my mom, right? Like mm-hmm. she is truly living her best life. I'm so thrilled for her. She's 70. She's going to be 76 years old, works out every day, plays cards with her friends has her first boyfriend in five years because she's like living her best life now. So she could actually attract somebody that she's happy to be with and excited to be with. And she's living that thing that I just laid out. We shouldn't want, (laughs) and she's doing it so well because it's actually what's true to her. You know, it's really what's true to her. She's so happily retired and She's not out to change the world. She's not out to change anybody's life. She's just happy doing her life. And in some ways, wow, what an inspiration she is. Right? No, well, that's, the, that's the piece I come back to. It's yeah. like there's a beauty to this. and But I don't want that to water down the choices you've made to be and show up and to truly fully realize your potential in the way that you have. To- For now. We'll have to come back and revisit this in 10 years. That's great. Because, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> hopefully I'll get to hang out with you and do this again because this was a lot of fun before yeah. the 10 year right. mark. So yes. let's put, let's not, let's not right. call that into the universe. You know, but I'm, I'm 49. I'll be 50 this year. And I think my story is that I'm at the peak of this confluence between what I've learned and what I have the energy to broadcast into the world. I'm fairly, you know, I have an idea that says like, I need to maximize this peak time of creation 
to create my legacy now because in some number of years, I'm not going to want to do it anymore. And I'm just going to want to go live a very simple life. People can come hang out with me, but I'm not going to want to be out in the world at the same degree that I am. So you, you asked me at the beginning, like, why am I creating all of this content right now? And that's what's driving me. Mm. What's driving me is that my astrology tells me I'm actually in this three-year period right now that is like peak energy, peak impact, peak a lot of things. And I won't experience it again until I'm in my 70s and who knows what's going to be happening then. Last time I experienced it, I was like a teenager. So this is it. These are my best years for maximum gather it all together and like put it out into the world because I do want to leave a legacy and legacy isn't something that happens after we die. It's like now it's Mm. what we do now. Mm. And so I'm, I'm creating all of this content to document the journey of the really the past 20 years knowing that for the next 20 years, I'm going to want to just relax a lot. (sighs) I really love the idea of a living legacy. I think you had written a post about that recently and it really struck me as like, I think, I think you're right. I think in a lot of ways, living your legacy has such a far greater ripple than leaving one behind because leaving one behind is such a, you're living for a future instead of just embodying it now. Allie, I love you. I could talk about this. I could talk to you for hours. Um, And I am just like, I'll echo again. I just, I I think you're brilliant. And I'm so grateful that we had this chance to go deep Mm. today because like I said, I, I know you, I feel you, I see you and there's depths to you. And I feel so lucky that I got a chance to feel and just be with all of that today. So thank you. How can people come say hi to you? Yes. So I am the Alley Cats, A-L-I-K-A-T-Z, everywhere uh, on all the socials. And on my website, there's a lot of resources on my website, the Alley Cats. And then if you're specifically looking for money dysmorphia, we create the economy, your role as a creator of the economy and how to step into that and see and heal your money dysmorphia. That's at eyeswideopenlife.com. And if you're a lawyer, if you happen to be a lawyer, I, did we even talk about lawyer stuff? I think you talked about all the problems you face as a lawyer, but I don't think you talked about... Well, ultimately, I came to discover that being a lawyer is one of the professions that when we do it in a new way can actually transform culture. And I created a heart-centered counseling-based methodology for lawyers to be able to do that. And so if you happen to be a lawyer and listen to Raj's podcast, then come to newlawbusinessmodel.com. And if you need a lawyer, go to personalfamilylawyer.com. You're funny. (laughs) All right. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I stay grounded, I think, by doing what I just did. It's like pausing every now and then, celebrate, to feel myself, to remember that, like, what really matters and that none of it matters all at the same time and that I really can trust life. And I do a lot of mantras, putting my hand on my heart, reminding myself all is well. I can trust myself. And if I can't, then I figure out what do I need to do to come back to that trust? I use my calendar like a ninja. Mm. (laughs) I have really good friends. I love people a lot. Mm. I love you. Like from the moment I met you, (laughs) like move in with me. (laughs) Literally everybody within like five minutes of meeting Allie, it was like, it, it, she oh, you literally need a place? Invited, yeah, she literally invited me to live it with her. Like it was like it was just the most ridiculous thing. But I love you for it. Yeah, it worked out so it great. Amazingly. <laughs> so Yeah. Alright, well, Ken Allie, thank you for being yeah. exactly as you are. Just all of the things. Everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj, and this is your new friend Allie. And from us, 
Stay grounded. Stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.